A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am glad you're with us on the program today. We've got a fascinating conversation coming up here in just a minute with Mr. Rob Morris from uh, the Slow Flag. Let me try that again. From the Slow Facts blog, also the Polite Society podcast, and uh, the uh, Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast as well, uh, taking a look at the 2021 National Firearms Survey and some really interesting details about the number of armed citizens around the country. In fact, uh, let's get right to that conversation with Mr. Rob Morse. Take a look and a listen. Well, I'm very pleased to have with us on the program right now, Rob Morse. Rob, thank you so much, sir, for coming on the program. My pleasure, Cam. Uh, and where can folks find you? I know you're writing at uh, Ammo Land, uh, Second Call Defense. Uh, you've also got your own blog, right? Right. Slow Facts is where things start. That way, when things disappear on Ammo Land, wow, where did I see that before? <laughs> Slowfacts.wordpress.com. And of course, the uh, co-host of the Polite Society podcast as well. Um, we're going to be talking about a piece that you wrote uh, for Ammo Land. This is really interesting. Um, now we know that there are armed good guys on the streets. I suppose, Rob, you and I and, and other gun owners have already already known this. But but now there's no excuse for non-gun owners to know this, too. Well, somebody needed to tell them. Somebody needed to say something different than the story the mainstream media tells them. You and I, you do it. I love your show, Cam. Here, a good guy with a gun was in a horrible situation, defended himself. And the media says, oh, that never happens. And if it does, it's extremely rare. We can ignore it. And now we know they're not telling us the whole truth. Yeah, so you took a look at uh, the 2021 National Firearms Survey, um, which a lot of folks might not even know about. Who who puts this survey together, Rob? Well, this was, a, this was a, it's going to become a book. It was put together by someone, I think he's at Georgetown, Professor English. They used online techniques. Now, you know how we capture clicks and we get you and I get sold? Right. Said, we can do better. We'll do an online survey. Instead of having to phone how they used to do it, that's how Gary Kleck did it classically. They were lucky to get 2,500. Professor English put this together. He got 54,000 respondents. About wow. 16,000 of them said they have a gun. And we were distributed all across the United States. Found out some fascinating things. You and I by impression, think, oh, they're not really gun owners in New York and California. Oh, yes, they are. Gun owners are everywhere, even where we're oppressed. You know, that's something that's really important because obviously the goal of these repressive regimes is to limit gun ownership, right? Yes. And yet we saw uh, in every state across the country last year, what I call the great gun run of 2020. <laughs> um, you know, look, California... Well, it had one of its busiest years, I think the busiest year in terms of firearm sales was 2020 when Governor Newsom uh, allowed gun stores to be shut down. We actually saw gun stores closed by by mandate, county mandates right. in the Bay Area for months at a time down in L.A. Uh, there was a lot of back and forth. L.A. City gun stores had to close. L.A. County gun stores did not. So, the you know, the anti-gun politicians did everything they could to try to suppress the exercise of a civil right at a time in which Americans were, were, were flocking to embrace the right to keep and bear arms. But even in these oppressive states, they couldn't do it. They couldn't shut out Americans uh, and, and keep them away from their, their right to keep and bear arms. 
When it comes to politics, we're at most a 45-55 split. We think of California as being blue. Well, we thought of Virginia as being blue too. Surprise. Again, we're much more alike than we're different, although politics and politicians want to tell us something different. New York and California have some of the most gun owners just because they have some of the most people, even though now, even in California, there are 10 million people living in counties where they can get their carry permits. I suspect the numbers or the, at least the proportions are similar in New York state. We'll, we'll hopefully change that with a Supreme Court case coming up. But one of the things this survey did, it asked people, do you carry? How often do you carry? Because you and I know, and thank you, John Lott, that there have been, what now, upwards of 21 million people with permits. Mm -hmm. We never were able to count them on the street. Now we can. So I, I'm curious, this survey, because you write uh, in, in your Ameland column that um, obviously in general, you say the fraction of carry permits issued is much lower in some deep blue cities uh, in deep blue states like New York, New Jersey and California, where, you know, police chiefs and judges only gave concealed carry permits to their friends. Does this survey, Rob, does it get into would you carry if you could? Because I'm curious about that answer too. As you say, we know that there are lots of gun owners in these deep blue states and in these deep blue cities who who don't have the opportunity to get a carry license. And many of them never even bother replying. Like I, I ran across a right. story yesterday. I think that there were something like 161 applications for a concealed carry license in Alameda County, California last year. I think the demand is obviously much higher, but I think that people don't even bother applying because they know that they're going to be told no. We've looked, LA is the classic case. We've looked at the people who got their permits. They're politicians, they're judges, ex-judges and politicians. You and I don't stand a chance. Some people apply naively. Some people do just because they're, I think they're trying to build test cases. Um, in other states, in other counties, even in California, we looked at who got a permit. Oh, you're a, you run a drugstore. Oh, you run a jewelry store. Oh, you're a lawyer. Oh, you know, and then we said, okay, but look at the good cause statement. I mm -hmm. handle cash. I run a small business. I handle checks every day. So we mimicked the good cause statements and that pride opened the door. I'm thinking of San Diego County in particular to turn it into almost shall issue. But now we have to issue the magic words that were before the reason why uh, a banker could get a permit. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And, and meanwhile, the statistics show that in the shall issue states where you don't have to you know, demonstrate some sort of special need to carry a gun, the concealed carry rates obviously are, are much higher. I didn't realize they were as high as you all found in some counties. Some counties, what, 50% yes. of, well, the, of the adult population is carrying a firearm for self-defense. Right. Now, I think Alabama leads there at about 30, but that's more of a statewide average. In some rural Pennsylvania counties, the sheriff very deliberately said, you know what the weather is. You can call me. I'll come as fast as I can right behind the snowplow. You have to take care of yourself till I get there. And a responsible adults went, Sheriff's right. We got to help him out. We have to take care of ourselves until he can arrive to help us. And the carry permit is upwards of 50% of the adult population.
That's amazing. And and I wonder if, if some of that really does have to do with people like a county sheriff or a police chief or, or you know, somebody who is a first responder telling the public, look, we're going to get there as fast as we can, but we're not going to get there instantaneously. And you do need to be able to protect yourself. We have, you know, we have a lot of sheriffs out there. Unfortunately, not a lot of police chiefs, but we have a lot of sheriffs out there who I think do a good job of, of reminding folks of, of their responsibility to protect themselves and the people that they love. And it sounds like that might actually be sinking in. You know where it sinks in, Cam? And I bet you've had this experience. Let's conduct the experiment. You know friends in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And they say, they tell me, please carry, because I can't get there in time. One of the heartbreaks of being law enforcement, you're there to help people. Often you're there after the event and you witness whether the victim was able to take care of himself or not. They want to arrive to the bad news for the perpetrator and the good news to the defendant, the defender. And so oftentimes they don't. They ask their friends to carry. I, I, was, I was honored when my buddy, a law enforcement officer says, please carry. I want your story to be a good one. Yeah. I've had that experience too. Uh, and and I, I think that most of us who have friends who are first responders have had those conversations. Um, and and I, I think, again, it's it's based on their personal experience. You know, it is, I, it's something that not many law enforcement officers that I know really like to talk about, but to, right. you know, these, these men and women aren't robots. I mean, when they go to the scene of a crime, they are affected, they are impacted by what they see there. Um, and so, it, you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a trite saying, um, but, you know, I, I know that these men and women would much rather roll up to the scene of a self-defense shooting than to roll up to the scene of an unjustified homicide, of a home invasion, which everybody inside that residence was was murdered by uh, somebody with evil intent. Uh, you know, neither situation is great, but but you'd much prefer to roll up to the uh, the house where the armed citizen was able to protect herself and her children. That's we know that's true. What's far more common is rather than you being a terrified victim, you tell the officer, officer, I, I, I screamed for him to leave. I told him he was armed. He came around the corner, he saw the gun and he ran. I didn't fire a shot. In many counties that might not even be logged as a defensive gun use, no shots right. fired, but that's the rule. And again, from this survey, survey you and I knew it was common 82% of the time, we don't press the trigger. You, I, our neighbors are wonderfully reluctant to take a human life. You and I suspected it. Now we've got it in black and white. Yeah, the stereotype of the uh, the, the trigger-happy gun nut, you know, who's just uh, itching to, to pull the trigger, that's not who we are. I, I mean, that's just, I, in fact, it doesn't make any common sense. It has no common sense to me. Uh, it's, it's like, uh, you know, I, and I make this analogy all the time. When I go into my kitchen and I make breakfast, I don't think to myself, I hope today's the day I get to use my fire extinguisher. <laughs> right? I mean, I own a firearm. I carry a firearm for self-defense. I never want to use my gun in self-defense. I never want to use my firearm in self-defense. That will be one of the worst days of my life if that ever happens. But I am aware and cognizant of the fact that it's not going to be up to me as to whether or not I'm the victim of a violent crime. That's up to the people around me. That's up to the, 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 the strangers that I interact with uh, as to whether or not I'm going to be the victim of a violent crime, how I am able to respond to being the victim of a violent crime. That's my choice. That's my decision. And that's my responsibility. One thing that came out of this study, 
is that carry is common, armed defense is common. We had again, and you've you've cited them. We've you I've cited them for years, just like you. They asked how many people uh, own guns, and if you own a gun, have you defended yourself? About a third of the people said, "Yeah, I've had to." Now that was not last year; that was over their entire lifetime. Right. And then they turn around and back estimate, yeah, 1.2 million times plus. What they said, interestingly enough, is a flaw in their own survey. You could ask people in your house, do you own a gun? They'd say, no, I don't. But yet they might have used one of your firearms, Cam, to defend themselves. And in fact, we know that happens 20 to 30% of the time. Um, so, they admitted really that so they admitted there may be a flaw. Oh, we should also have asked not, quote, non-gun owners if they've ever used a firearm for their own defense. It's it's classic. No, my boyfriend owns a gun. Did you ever use it for defense? See how the survey missed it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is really fascinating stuff. So is, is this entire survey available to for, for folks to digest and delve through and, and dig into? No, the highlights of it are out. It'll come okay. out as I think a, a full book. I'm not sure when it's scheduled to come out. Okay. This is really right. interesting though. And and again, I mean, you know, we've got the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin case uh, uh, coming up. And, and you know, I, I think it is likely uh, that next June, the Supreme Court is going to strike down. New York's may issue laws. Obviously the, the gun control activists are trying to uh, make Americans terrified of what that would mean. And and for the vast majority of Americans, the law is not going to change because most states are already shall issue states right. anyway. But but even for those people who are not gun owners, who have no plans to be a gun owner, who are worried that the sky is going to fall, I hope that this survey is is some reassurance to them that, look, this is already happening. It's not, it's not happening in Los Angeles. It's not happening in New York, but it's happening in Chicago. It's happening in Dallas. It's happening in Houston. There are plenty of big cities around the country where people are able to exercise their right to keep and bear arms. It has not led to the apocalypse. It has not led to some uh, dystopian hellscape uh, because, again, that's not who gun owners are. Uh, and the gun control lobby, look, they they thrive on fear. That is their primary motivating factor. And I think what we thrive on are facts. And so I, I think this research, it sounds like, is going to be. Um, some very useful uh, intellectual ammunition in the gun debate going forward that will hopefully soothe some of these unreasonable fears and allow folks to look at this issue a little more clearly. Um, Cam, the way I phrase it is we're Americans first. We're immersed in this culture. We're part of a neighborhood first. We happen to have a gun. And the people who do it come from every walk of life. As I mentioned, they're in every state, including the anti-gun states. One of the things I did, the survey asked, how often do you carry? I put those numbers together. together. It, it reads like this, if half of us carried half the time, a quarter of us are carrying in public. That's an exaggeration. Um, about one out of 12, 8% of us are carrying in public every day. We've never had that number before. You and I've had inklings of it. That number is very consistent to what we mm -hmm. know. What we're finding out is that gun owners are absolutely ordinary. We're Americans first. Absolutely. And that might be the most important uh, aspect of this story, uh, continue, you know, considering the, the daily demonization 
uh, of gun owners on the part of uh, the gun control lobby and too many members of the media. Uh, again, Rob, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the program, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm sad that it's been until now that uh, we've had you on, but I hope that you'll come back again very soon. It'd be my pleasure, Cam. Well, thank you very much. And again, now make sure that you check out what Rob is doing at the Slow Facts blog, also uh, on Amaland, and of course, the Polite Society podcast. Thank you, Rob. Thanks. Thank you again to Rob for uh, joining us on the program. Looking forward to talking with him again very soon. Right now, let's turn our attention, though, to today's Armed citizen story. I think Rob would appreciate it since he does the uh, Self-Defense Stories podcast. Also, our uh, good deed of the day and our recidivist report. We will start there. Uh, you might remember the headlines. This was right after Thanksgiving. A Temple student who was shot and killed uh, after returning from Thanksgiving break. So now an arrest has been made. And yep, there's the headline. As it turns out, he had been arrested and released after a carjacking in July. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what to say here. Philadelphia right now, an all-time high in terms of the number of murders, more than 500 homicides in Philadelphia this year. And the 17-year-old suspect who's accused of murdering Samuel Collington during what was supposed to be, I guess, a carjacking, was arrested for carjacking less than six months ago and was released? And this is amazing. Now, again, you start with a presumption of innocence, right? These are allegations against this 17-year-old suspect. Matter of fact, the attorney's representing Latif Williams say he's been fully cooperative with police upon learning of his arrest warrant. He turned himself in voluntarily. We're in the process of investigating the facts of this case, and we expect that his presumption of innocence to be maintained throughout the judicial proceedings. Okay, so you start with a presumption of innocence in a court of law. However, we can also consider the evidence that led to Williams' arrest. And investigators say that they used video as well as forensic evidence to link Williams to the killing. Law enforcement sources say that uh, Williams is under investigation in connection with several armed robberies in the area. But let's talk about what happened when Latif Williams was arrested earlier this year. <clears throat> in August, he was in custody in connection with an armed robbery, but he was released and prosecutors later withdrew the charges. According to court records, a man told police that late on July 31st, he was giving Williams and another guy a ride to a restaurant. Williams then pointed a gun at his head, told him to get out of the car. Driver told police that he complied. The uh, pair then took off. Police found the car the next day. Driver told investigators that his handgun was missing from the trunk of that car. Williams was arrested August 14th. He was charged with uh, aggravated assault, robbery, related counts. Bail was set at $200,000. He was detained. There was a bail hearing a week later. And the municipal court judge allowed Williams to release on unsecured bail, which meant that he could go without paying a dime. Uh, and he would only have to pay his bail if he violated the terms of his release. So he was released on house arrest. And then the next month in September, prosecutors ended up dropping the charges before a preliminary hearing where they would have had to show probable cause that Williams had committed the crime. Um, the spokesperson for the district attorney's office said the decision to withdraw the case was made because, quote, a key witness did not appear in court. Uh, they say that the incident remains under active investigation. The office continues to pursue accountability for that crime. So <clears throat> we can look, if you don't have probable cause, you got to you can't move forward. So we can talk about the witness. But I, I will say that I question the judge's decision in this case to let Mr. Williams out on unsecured bond. 
considering the charges in this case. Now, he likely would have still been set free in September as a result of that probable cause hearing uh, or the lack thereof. Uh, but I think that there are some circumstances here that are, are definitely cause for concern when you're looking at the uh, sky-high homicide rate in Philadelphia. Meanwhile, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where a man who was shot is the one facing felony charges, and the person who shot him not facing any charges because police say he was acting in self-defense, or she, rather, excuse me, was acting in self-defense. Uh, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, it's a 23-year-old man who was shot in the leg in South Milwaukee. He is now facing three felony bail jumping charges. The 22-year-old woman who uh, shot the man, not facing charges based on, quote, self-defense issues, according to South Milwaukee Police Chief Bill Jessup. Uh, Theophilus McLean of Milwaukee, charged with three counts of felony bail jumping, along with domestic abuse assessments as a domestic abuse repeater and habitual criminality repeater at the ripe old age of 23. Uh, if convicted, he could face several decades behind bars. Now, this shooting took place about a month ago, actually, November the 2nd. Um, at the time, the South Milwaukee police chief called the shooting a, quote, domestic incident. But according to the criminal complaint that was filed, the 22-year-old woman was on the phone with somebody when she got to her apartment. Uh, that person told police that she had mentioned being too afraid to go home because she was concerned that Theophilus McCain could be waiting there. So the person who's on the phone with the woman told police she heard the woman ask someone, why are you there? And the uh, person on the other end of the phone also heard a man, who she identified as Theophilus McClain, said he was there to get his things. Uh, the 22-year-old woman then told McClain, I'll get you your stuff, I'll bring it down. She said McClain appeared, from what she could hear, to get upset. Uh, then she could her she could hear a tussle. Uh, and she said she heard the 20-year-old woman tell McClain, quote, don't come close to me, don't come close to me. Soon after, the uh, woman who was on the phone with the uh, the, the woman who shot McClain uh, said she heard McClain yell that he was shot, and then the phone cut off. Now, Theophilus McClain admitted he was at the home of his ex-girlfriend and said either she or her new boyfriend shot him. Apparently, the evidence does not suggest that uh, that uh, the woman was the initial aggressor. Meanwhile, the uh, Milwaukee General Sentinel reports McLean has numerous open felony cases in Milwaukee County, including one for fleeing an officer, another for discharging a firearm at the woman who was involved, who, who shot him, uh, in what police say was self-defense. And as part of these cases, he had been told, don't have contact with this woman, don't get within 500 feet of her home, and apparently he has acknowledged disregarding all of that. Uh, McLean, by the way, was convicted in May of this year of felony bail jumping in Brown County, where he was also convicted of two domestic abuse crimes against this same woman who shot him. It is unclear to me why McLean would have been out on the streets in November of this year when he was convicted of felony bail jumping in May of this year. So apparently this is not only today's armed citizen story, but uh, another recidivist report as well. Finally today, our good deed of the day. Uh, from the show me state of Missouri, where a, a neighbor in the right place at the right time Willing and able to uh, do the right thing to help save a mom and her three-year-old daughter. 
Uh, this is a, a, a scary situation here, but uh, the mom ended up tossing the toddler from the window in this apartment fire. Uh, and again, that Good Samaritan neighbor uh, able to step in and uh, catch that child. 30-year-old Arnez Merriweather says, I just came out of the building. We started yelling. Next thing you know, the uh, second floor window opened. We ran around the back. Everyone was trying to get out. One lady dropped her baby, and I caught her baby, and then she jumped out, and I caught her. And the mom jumped out, and I caught her, and we both fell. Uh, the uh, fire at the Hillvale Apartments in St. Louis uh, continued to burn. And so Meriwether said that uh, after he got that family out, uh, he and other Good Samaritans ran around. They actually found some ladders from the maintenance uh, crew at that apartment complex, and they used those ladders to rescue others. Uh, trying to escape the fire. Five people ultimately rescued from the building before firefighters arrived at the scene. Karen Williams uh, uh, told the Post-Dispatch, quote, we were jumping and the neighbors were just catching us. God is good. Yep. Neighbors pretty darn good, too, I would say, uh, given the uh, fact that five of them were uh, rescued before uh, the fire crews even got there. So, again, uh, Arnaz Merriweather and the other Good Samaritans in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. We thank you very much for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Apparently, I've got somebody who desperately needs to talk to me as well because my phone keeps going off here. I probably should have turned that to silent before we started recording. Uh, we will be back on Monday with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. Uh, but don't forget to check out BearingArms.com throughout the weekend. And that would include uh, Friday as well, where we'll be uh, keeping you up to date on everything you need to know about uh, your Second Amendment rights, the threats to them, and our success stories as well. If you like what you see at Bearing Arms, don't forget to be a, become a, a VIP subscriber. Just go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. You'll get a significant discount on your VIP membership. Uh, and as our way of saying thanks, we're going to give you exclusive news stories, content, analysis that uh, you just will not get anywhere else. It's our way, again, of saying thanks for you showing your support for the work that we're doing here at Bearing Arms. All right, we will uh, end it there. Until we talk again, be well. Be safe and be free. 